everybody, this is Brett. And I'm Christian. And you're listening to the Gilded Films Podcast. 2023 New Discoveries. Everybody and welcome back to the Gilded Films podcast. I forgot what it was called for a second. Um, this is like the fastest turnover we've had in quite some time. But we're here, and we're not here to talk about a specific Oscar year. We're here to talk about the best new watches that we saw last year in 2023. No 2022s, though, friends. Just 2023 new features. Yada yada yada. There's going to be some good stuff, hopefully. But will there be a love on a leash like there was last year? Here's always is me, the wonderful Christian. And then there's Brett. Hello, Brett. Hello, hello. And just released from prison, the one, the only, Zay Rose Blanchard. <laughs> um, editorial correction. It was two years ago that Love on the Leash was my discovery of the year that's true really two years oh my god it's true time is ever consuming it's a construct it's just a construct well how's it been on the other side (laughs) well meals weren't very good i can imagine (laughs) (laughs) and that's why you relate tonight (laughs) (laughs) well yes this is something very fun that we started doing the last few years. I think it was Zay that actually came up with the idea. And yeah, it just ends up being one of my favorites. So we're going to keep doing it. You're welcome, Brett. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> thank you for shining this light upon us. Um, so yes, top films that we watched for the first time this year, like Christian said, not involving 2023 movies or 2022s that we were like catching up with at the beginning of the year. And thank like that. Um, I'm going to go first today, start with my number five. I'll start with the note that I always say when we do these. I chose not to include uh, movies that we already discussed in depth on the podcast. Um, I'll reveal any that would have been in there regardless. There's actually only one this year. But um, choosing to focus on those either that I mentioned as an honorable mention or just, you know, watched outside of the podcast. So I'm going to kick it off with my number five. This is a Dutch movie from 1988, directed by George Slyzer, and it is called The Vanishing. Uh, This is a really unsettling and disturbing movie. It's about this Dutch couple named Rex and Saskia that are visiting France. And during their trip, they're at a gas station and Saskia suddenly disappears completely um out of nowhere and from there we basically three years pass and we spend time with rex as he is continuing after three years to lead this charge to try to find out what happened to her Uh, but at the same time the film actually reveals pretty much immediately who was behind the kidnapping um and he is a very disturbing 
man played by Bernard Pierre Donadieu. Um, his name is Raymond, and he's just like downright creepy, but absolutely doesn't come off as one that you would expect when he's kind of out in public. He is, you know, a family man. He has kids. There's actually a scene that is kind of a flashback where he actually saves a young girl and kind of has this like heroic image about him. Um, and that really ties into why he decided to do it, which I'm not really going to get into because I think it's one that you should definitely watch and see how it all unfolds. But the film is partially about him and why he chose to commit this crime, what led him to it, and specifically like gets very deep into the details of how he did it, which is very amateurish, but also terrifying at the same time. Uh, meanwhile, it focuses on Rex and basically how he is just driven, even though he doesn't know that you know, she's I, I think down deep Rex knows that she is gone, but he is just driven to find out what happened. He is pretty much just destroyed and obsessed with figuring out what happened to her. Um, Cause I think in some ways he feels responsible and really the film gets down to that, that wild longing kind of leads to his destruction in some ways. Um, but this movie pretty much exudes evil. It is not, I would say, an enjoyable watch per se, but very, very profound. It like kept me up at night, not because I was scared, but just because I was disturbed because this is this film does not have a great view of humanity whatsoever. You're not going to feel good about humankind after watching it. But I found it really, really fascinating in its portrait of um, an evil man who chooses to do what he does through some twisted logic. Um, funny story. I actually, we have a, an independent theater here in Lawrence, Kansas, and they have a video rental store. And this last year, they actually shut down their storefront. They had to sell it. Um, so they still like rent movies and whatnot, but they have to do it like at a counter. But I went on one of the last days they had that storefront open and I grabbed the case for this movie they said, oh, yeah, you know, here you go. I get home. I stick in the DVD. And the first words that appear on my screen are Jeff Bridges. <laughs> this movie does not star Jeff Bridges. There was a remake in 1993. Uh, this is not a shot at the video store. They are wonderful people. Very easy mistake. But I turned that off and I was like, nope, I want to watch the original first. I recommend if this happens to you, do the same thing because the original is an amazing movie. Uh, the 1993, maybe it is. I don't know. But You didn't watch it? No, no, absolutely not. Because I hadn't seen this one yet. I was like, I want to start with like... made it a double feature. But sports uh, no, was on afterwards and the ball game was happening. If it's anything like this, I'll... T too much too much probably not because i haven't heard anything um hi i've seen it i saw it last year what did you think i mean i liked it only because i don't remember the vanishing um i've mm. seen it i don't remember anything about it but i mean i do obviously now with the, the remake and uh, the remake was good i don't know the poster on letterbox looks like shit it's weird seeing <laughs> jeff bridges is like the villain of something yeah, maybe someday, but I don't know. This one was great. That's my number five, The Vanishing. Oh, Sandra Bullock? Yes, yep. I have not seen either one. Um, 
it's 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 on my like I'm aware of it and I need to watch it one day, but I have not. But your description of it sounded good. And now I'm also interested in the remake so I can finish my Sandra Bullock <laughs> completion. Very nice. All right, Christian, let's hear your number five. Okay, my number five is a movie that I told you both to watch and only Zay ever listens to me. So there you go. It is a film directed by Fred uh, Shapisi. My voice just cracked. Oh, my God. Fred Shapisi. It is Six Degrees of Separation um, from 1993. Yeah. And it stars Donald Sutherland, Stalker Channing, and Will Smith. Uh, this is during his Fresh Prince era. It's him also wanting to be like, hey, y'all, I'm a serious, dramatic actor. I can do things like that. But I'm just going to read the letterbox um, snippet here. The story of a young, gay, black con artist who, posing as the son of Sidney Poitier, cunningly maneuvers his way into the lives of a white, upper-class New York family. So quite literally, I mean, it fits the description very well. And it's like a 112-minute, almost family melodrama about how this one man kind of fucked up the thought process of these two really rich white people in New York City. Um, how he came one day, gone the next, but still it impacted their lives so much that now they have to tell every single person that they know of this and all the lies and deceit that Will Smith uh, gives them. And Stalker Channing <clears throat> and Donald Sutherland, I mean, they're both fantastic as it is. Stalker getting a nomination for this. But I had just heard of this because of her nomination. I really, really enjoyed it. I think Will Smith is great here. If you actually read the stories of the making of this, where, I mean, I said he's a gay man in this, but he didn't want to do a lot of the gay scenes. So, you know whatever he has his own things nowadays but i think the movie is really good and let's see my did i even review this oh my review of this is oddly enough reminding me of a gay citizen kane after all most of the film is figuring out who this guy really was by the various lives affected by him exactly so how citizen kane is like well who was this kane who what is a rosebud blah 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 it's literally who is this guy here um and then yeah i said this is possibly will smith's like best performance so there you go. I really loved it. Um, still impacted me. I watched it in June. So Zay watched it. And I think they also liked it, which is good. I did. It was, it's not on my like runners up for this episode, but it's on my like longer list of like my favorites that I watched for the first time last year. Um, yeah, because it was a movie that I'd like seen the poster or like the, the VHS cover, the DVD cover. And I was like, that looks so boring. Because I, like, had no idea what it was really about. It just, like, looked like, well, Will Smith decided when he was young to do uh, a uh, serious picture. And I just assumed it would be the most boring thing, not knowing what it was about. Because it just looked stuffy from the everyone just, like, posing on the front. And then Christian was like, no, it's good. And I, like, looked it up. And I was like, oh, that's what that's about? Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> Well, actually, no, no, I, I oh? haven't seen it. No, I didn't see. It. I'm sorry. I, I have, I have to admit, I don't even remember you recommending this, so I apologize. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> it does sound very interesting, though. And like Christian says, it's 112 minutes, but it's a very breezy 112 minutes. Like, 
it's it very much like moves like an airport novel kind of movie. I seriously think that this would be a great double feature with Citizen Kane. Interesting. I mean, there's like many movies like this. Like I like the movies where like, who was this person? What were they about? Let's talk about it for five hours. Makes Maybe sense. I didn't recommend it to you. You probably you probably did. I'm sure you did. You recommend a lot of movies to me that I frankly, as you said, do not watch. So, all right, Zayla, tier number five. So, my number you mean five. Or oh, oh my god! Just skip over me. <laughs> um. So my number five is a cheat. I'm already cheating. I'm already cheating because it's for Buster Keaton. Look at my rhymes. Um. So this year, because of Blank Check podcast was doing their uh, series on Buster Keaton, um, I decided to do deep dive on Buster Keaton, realizing that I really like his performance style, especially in films that he had his own hand in directing slash writing, having his own production crew and whatnot. Those early films are all so good. And I've seen a few uh, before this year, but this was the year where I just like caught up on all the rest. And wow. I just had such a fun time and it was like a time where I just really needed, it was around the time I got fired from my job and I was just like, I need some joy. I need to just get myself into the world of Buster Keaton. And it's such like fun seeing how his like character went. He did so many movies in such a short period of time and his like, physical prowess i don't know how he did these things and half the time the joke is look at this wimpy little guy and i'm just like that man is like the most athletic person to ever live um and i'll just like name some of the movies that i really loved that i saw for the first time his short one week where they make like a house that they ordered from a catalog which was a real thing for a long time that i found out um that one's a lot of fun it's only like 24 minutes but it packs in so many jokes and so many gags and all that in a short time loved it um i love to go west where it's basically a romantic comedy with buster keaton and a cow um literally I, the one thing about all those movies is like female co-leads most of the time have nothing and i don't like believe the chemistry all the time but when he's with this cow, I'm just like, this is the most chemistry he's had with anyone. Because he just, he was an animal lover. And it really translated when he's on on the screen with this dairy cow. Um, <clears throat> also really love the cameraman, which is like one of the more famous ones. And it's just like, I don't know. There's so many, like, I got to see so many gags, so many things. I'm like, he came up with so many in like the 10 years that he was like an independent filmmaker. And then I watched all the ones that came when he like signed with MGM and I'm like, oh, they did not let this man do anything fun or creative or do anything to his strengths. Um, but yeah, so I had a fun time going through the Buster Keaton filmography and that's why I'm going to make that my number five because I cannot pick just one because they all were just a delight to go through. He sounds interesting. I've never heard of him before. <laughs> <laughs> he was a Kansan. That's oh cool. yeah, was he really? Wow. <laughs> By the way, I am 
this is cheating, but I am tracking this as probably the first movie that you've ever mentioned on one of these episodes that I've actually seen before. Oh, wow. I have seen a Buster Keaton movie. Or two. <laughs> a Buster Keaton. <laughs> hey, wow. Or two. Was I've, it the general or seen... Sherlock Jr.? Because I already saw those before, so it doesn't that count. No, I've seen probably three or four. All right. Okay, can, right. can we get a name? Honestly. Our Hospitality. Are, are you a true fan? No, I already saw our hospitality. So uh, they're all the more famous ones. They're all the more famous ones. Uh, Were you in that class watching our? Which class did you? Wait, what? I watched it in a silent film class. Yeah, great, and, obviously. And it's also interesting because I haven't seen yours. That's so true. That. Are That's we, are, true. Are we? Cha- I'd be very surprised if you've seen my top three. Oh yeah, this is gonna be the complete opposite going. Wait, have you seen mine? Wait, what? Yes, you told me. I watched after you told me to watch it. Oh. I don't know what we're (laughs) talking about. I just joined in. (laughs) All right. Well, I'll go ahead with my number four, um, which is the most recent movie I watched in 2023 that made this list. It is one that I mentioned as an honorable mention on our 2011 podcast. It is Mike Nichols' Take Shelter. Uh, so this is film about Wait, Curtis. Mike Nichols takes shit. What? Or Jeff Nichols? Sorry, Mike Ron Nichols. Nichols. Yes. I wasn't gonna say anything. I was like, hold on. <laughs> it's a Nichols. It is Jeff. Wasn't he dead by? I then? do that all the time. <laughs> no, this no? is not. This is Did not the first time. This? He was. He died in 2014. 2014. Okay. Anyway. I have called Jeff Nichols Mike Nichols at least 15 times in my life. That is not the first time, by the way. But it is directed by Jeff Nichols. Um, Story of Curtis, who's played by Michael Shannon. He lives in Ohio with his wife, Samantha, who's played by Jessica Chastain and their daughter. Um, He begins having these visions that seem to signal like an oncoming apocalypse. He dreams that there is oil falling from the sky like rain. Um, He sees you know, uh, tornadoes in the distance, things like that. Um, And he begins to become obviously very paranoid about this. And the film is really interesting because it's ambiguous about whether this is the results of like a mental illness. We find out that his mother uh, was uh, a paranoid schizophrenic. And so she is being treated for that. Uh, But it also leaves open the option that, okay, maybe this could be the actual apocalypse and that he is like the prophet that sees this coming um which is really interesting because it is a very aside from those visions it's a very grounded movie it's pretty much just a you know your usual family drama aside from that but it does kind of get into his psyche and how he deals with this he becomes extremely paranoid that something is coming he begins building this uh very robust storm shelter in his backyard And it begins to really influence his relationships, his job, and many other things. Um, First and foremost, I think Michael Shannon is just astoundingly great in this movie. Uh, He would he would have won Best Actor for me in 2011 if I could have picked. Um, Jessica Chastain is great as well. The movie can be like really terrifying at times in that ambiguity. it's been a little bit criticized by some because of the ending. I've read that a lot of people read the ending as less ambiguous and they, they see it as like giving an answer to what's going on. 
at first I thought that, but the more I thought about it, I was like, no, I, I think this can still be read as ambiguous and maybe it's more symbolic um, about what is going on rather than meant to be taken literally. Uh, I'm not going to reveal what it is because it's another one of those where like it's gripping when you're watching it for the first time and you kind of see how it all transpires. But yeah, a movie that I expected to like, but I absolutely did not anticipate appearing on this list um, when I put it in, but I think it's really terrific. Um, so yeah, definitely worth checking out. I think it's on Tubi. Uh, Take Shelter, my number four. Very good movie. Surprisingly, because like for the longest time, I thought, eh, I'm not going to like this movie. And then I watched it for this just to watch it, and I enjoyed it quite a bit. I also <clears throat> saw it for the first time for our podcast. And I also quite liked it. It ended up on my favorite list on Letterboxd of the year. It's just entirely too long of a list. But it's still prominent, so it was good. I also agree about the ending. I think it's more ambiguous than people are giving it credit for. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, I think there's definite, definitely different ways you can read that. But I digress. Also, um, I didn't say where mine was streaming. The Keaton films, a lot of them are on Canopy, if you have Canopy. Do not do the ones on Amazon Prime because they are not restored and they look like mm. really bad. Uh, six Degrees of Separation is uh, Roku TV. Nice. It was on Criterion. That's where I watched it. Mm. Yeah, The Vanishing is also on Criterion, the Criterion channel. So. All right, Christian, let's hear your number four. My number four. <laughs> Story time. I don't talk to neighbors. I don't trust neighbors. I don't believe in neighbors. I don't believe in being friends with neighbors. I don't think that the idea of having a neighbor is a good thing. Okay. <laughs> You shouldn't know who your neighbors are. Recently moved. Do I know my neighbors? No. What do I know about them? They have like four cars and they're probably in construction. Okay. Where did this all stem from? It stemmed from my dad who in 1999 or whatever, probably saw this movie on VHS. My number four pick is Arlington Road. Okay. Again, I'm reading the letterbox scenarios here. Threats from sinister foreign nationals aren't the only thing to fear bedraggled that's an interesting word bedraggled college professor michael faraday played by jeff bridges has been vexed and paranoid since his wife's accidental death in a botched fbi operation but all that takes a back seat when a seemingly all-american couple set up house next door and i'll add but are they as they appear dun 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 so a lot of like the paranoia of it all yes I'm a paranoid person when it comes to strangers. Like, I kid you not. Like, everybody's like, well, don't you talk to your neighbor? I don't know my, I've never known my neighbors. Like, even living with my parents, I didn't know that the kids next door were my age. And even now I don't wave at them or anything. But I don't know. I, I, I love this movie. I had <clears throat> semi-seen it before, but watching it last year in full, it's like... It's great, and it is really one of those like heart-pounding movies. Jeff Bridges is great. Tim Robbins is in it. Joan Cusack is in it. Um, yeah, we love her. And really just like, you know, do we trust people? Like, I don't know if I can trust you two right now. I don't know. 
I can, well, I'm getting flipped off for one person and the other person has garbage behind them. So, which is which, I don't know. But I don't think either of you have seen this. So, great film though. It's not streaming anywhere as far as I know. But, I mean, I saw it on TV. It's, well, you know what it is? It's one of those like TNT movies, but they don't show it obviously, but it has that TNT feel to it. So, Arlington Road, great film. I do remember you mentioning this one. Uh, do you see images of Fred Rogers and just be like, fuck that guy. That guy's the worst. I mean, <laughs> when you're a man who talks to puppets every day <laughs> in the land of make-believe. Yeah, okay, cool. Cool, cool thing, bro. I, I, I also have not seen it, but I saw you log it and talk about it a little bit. Yeah. I mean, it's good. It's really good. I mean, for me, anyway, because I'm like that. So. I don't know right. my neighbors either. I just know one of them parks like a fucking asshole. <laughs> All right. Zay, let's hear your number four. My number four. Hold on. Oh, no. You I know close. what? I will, let, me, let me preface with this. Our next... My number four, three, two, and one are very all-American type movies. Interesting. They're very gung ho pro America. Let me just, <laughs> which doesn't feel like that doesn't seem like Christian. A we told you Sound of Freedom did not qualify. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, I don't know what to tell y'all, but <laughs> okay. Well, mine is absolutely not all American. Um, it's actually a blind spot of mine, and it was re released in theaters back in February. Um, and it was one of those movies where I'm like, I've heard how great it is. And I always assumed it would just be one of those movies I'd end up putting on one day, just being like, well, I should have seen this by now. And then it turned into my number one favorite first time watch of the year. Um, I am talking about 2000's Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Because if anyone has ever listened to the podcast or this is your first time, welcome. I'm not a fan of the action genre. I find it just not what I like. I don't know. There's so many things about it where I'm like, it doesn't appeal to me. I don't like explosions. I don't like fights. I don't like, it just doesn't interest me. But watching Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, I'm like, no, this is beautiful. All of this is beautiful. This is art. This is like everything is so meticulously put together in such a way that I've never seen in a movie before. Um, I can't give you the, the, it's like a heavy plot and I watched it way back in February. Um, I'm not good at reiterating plot, but you, you have the general idea, viewers, uh, listeners of what this movie is. Cause it's so famous and it won Oscars, right? It won Oscars. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, but yeah, I love Aim Lee movies. I, like I said, it was just a blind spot because it was not. A genre that I like gravitated towards, but after you know the Michelle Yoasans, and it was coming into theaters, I was like, oh, I gotta finally see this. And when I went to see it, the theater was packed, and that was so exciting to see. And like there were children there, <laughs> and I was just like, this is your first like maybe well I can't say for sure that's their first, but maybe your first like subtitled movie. And I had to sit through Passion of the Christ. <laughs> like, I don't know. I just found that experience really cool. And just like, 
probably the idea that like all these adults who saw it when they were kids or like teenagers and now they have their own kids and they're like, well, you got to see this movie. It's so fucking cool. And I really loved it. I loved all the acting. I loved just the cinematography, the sets. There's scenes where they're like jumping through trees. That's the one that stayed with me the most is when they're like bouncing from branch to branch. And you're like, you can see the strings, but you're like, who fucking cares? Like that's, it added to the beauty, I think. I think it was very intentional. I think that's what I was looking at. I don't know. Christian just gave me a look. Um, I didn't realize you could see strings. I don't know. I think that's what I was looking at. Just like clearly what they were like going. I don't know. I just like the very like artificiality of it. They were not afraid to be like, oh, this is clearly fake, but you're loving it. Um, so that's what I really liked about that. I have not seen this movie. Brad. kidding me? How dare you? <laughs> It came back into theaters and you missed it. I had no idea it came back, honestly. Yes. This... <laughs> why? Okay. I'm glad it came back into theaters, but like, why? Isn't it a 2000 movie? They released it for the 23rd anniversary. Like, was there something else special about show, it? No. You were in 2020, oh. but there was a lot of things happening. <laughs> and that's true, too. But you wait two years and it's the 25th. <laughs> like, because Michelle Yeoh needed a little extra push for that that's, Oscar. That's fair. That's fair. Then Francis Fisher was like, don't go see this film. Was it Fisher or Farmer? I don't know. One or two. Fisher, I believe. Am I still there? Oh, okay. Yes. Yes, Dorothy. You're still with us. <laughs> we have an existential crisis. I don't think it's anywhere to stream right now. But go to your local library. They probably have it. What's a library? Down with... <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> when did the library get woke? <laughs> we are on to number three. And mine is the most recent film I have on my list. But uh, you said that last time. I was going to say, wasn't... <laughs> that was my most recently watched. Oh, please. I did not understand... <laughs> Okay, this is okay. the most recent film to be released. That's Wait, what year list. was the last one? 2011. Okay. That's, this, see, that's why I thought. This one is celebrating its 10th anniversary this year. Okay. Okay. Sorry. Continue. It is um, from Belgium directors, the Dardenne brothers. It is Two Days, One Night, starring Marion Cotillard. Uh, so this, it takes place in Belgium. Uh, lead character, Sandra, played by Cotillard, has had to miss time at her factory job. Um, she has taken time away uh, as a result of depression and anxiety. And when she returns, she realizes that they basically had a structure in place where she was gone while she was gone, where the other workers would obviously work a few more hours. And they found a system that works um, to make up for her absence. But the owners of the factory she works at have decided, hey, this works pretty well. We can save a bunch of money if we just fire her and convince the rest of the workers to take keep taking on those extra hours. How do we do that? Well, we're going to give each of them a significant bonus. I should say a significant bonus to the people who work there. Uh, a very small fraction of what this plant could afford. Um, so basically, she finds out about this. And most of the people, all the people who work at this plant are obviously, you know, working class folks, do not have much money. And so they are reluctantly on board with it um, but the owners of the plant agree that if she can convince the majority of them to vote that she can stay they will agree to that 
Um, so the movie is basically her just going around to all the individual workers at this factory and trying to convince them, like, please, I need this job. Please vote for me to keep my job. Um, but the film is not as simple as that. Um, a lot of the people say, I, I can't do it. I, I can't vote for you. This I need this bonus. And it, it doesn't end up in the situation where you're like, you know, fuck these people. Let her keep her job. You're in a situation where like, God damn it. I get it. Like, I get why you're voting that way. And it works for both sides. Um, the film does a really great job of being very empathetic to each character and helping to understand why they respond the way they do and which situation they're in. And for a movie where the whole time she's going and trying to do the same thing with these people, it never feels repetitive. Um, it's not a terribly long movie either. I remember, you know, my first thought of this movie was when Marion Cotillard got an Oscar nomination. Um, I don't know if it was a surprise to everybody when that happened, but it was definitely a surprise to me. But having watched this, I think she should have won. I think it is an absolutely phenomenal performance. It's a great film that really gets down to the issues of the economic system and the disenfranchisement. And I found it just very, very easy to follow her character through her journey and thought it was terrific. So Two Days, One Night, it is available for streaming on Tubi and Canopy if you want to check it out. I would not watch this movie on Tubi. You would get commercials. Tubi's not too bad with commercials. Roku see, and Pluto yeah. TV, much worse. Yeah. I watched this movie like years ago, and I need to revisit, revisit it, but I knew I loved it then. I know I'd still love it now. Um which is funny because I'm like, if that movie took place in America, this is a very American movie. <laughs> well, like the the work the the people in charge would just like fire her and never tell the people. Yeah, <laughs> that they yeah, would get, for real. They would not be getting a bonus. For real. I guess that's a different movie, but yeah. <laughs> that's no, Mama. That's Norma Ray. <laughs> but yeah, I I need to rewatch that movie. I will say one other note. This was the first Darden Brothers movie I watched. Um, I know they're very significant filmmakers. They released a 2023 movie called Tori and Lakita uh, that is really good as well. So if you're doing any like catch up on 2023, I recommend that one. I think it's actually on Criterion Channel. Christian, did you say, have you seen this? I have seen this. Okay. All right. Let's go on to your number three. All right. Um, first of all, when I typed the meme that I want to use at this, it said memes about groups of people might be disturbing or hurtful. <laughs> so here's how to describe my next film. What are we at? Number three? Number three. Gotcha. Here we go. She's the mother I never had. She's the sister everybody would want. She's the friend that everybody deserves. I don't know a better person. She's been described as great gowns beautiful gowns and she was not on the bingo list to fall absolutely in love with it is taylor swift in her documentary <laughs> miss americana from 2020 um this is a netflix production so i went to see the heiress tour in theaters because you know why not uh and i fell in love with it and i'm a fan of taylor swift now i'm not a swifty i'm not a cult follower <sighs> Okay, I like her. 
I respect her. I understand her now. And the reason I understand her is through Miss Americana. So to quote Letterboxd, a raw and emotionally revealing look at one of the most iconic artists of our time during a transformational period in her life. She learns to embrace her role not only as a songwriter, but as a performer. Um, and then she also gets a little bit of say in her own opinions. So I know there was a lot of criticism about her and her political stance in 2016. This gets to dive into her political stance of the midterm elections and being 2020, kind of her stance on things to come. This is released in January of 2020. So before anything happened in the world. Um, so yeah, it's a great documentary. It's like 85 minutes, but you get to see her as her. There's not really much concert in this. It's just learning who Taylor Swift is. And I think it's a great companion piece to the Ares tour, especially if you're not like a big fan, like I was. So when I saw the Ares tour concert film, it changed me like honest to God. So we came home, we put this on and it was like, yeah, she's all right. She's all right. So wholly American there. And I mean, it's called Miss Americana. How American can you get there? So there you go. My number three pick. Apple pie and Taylor Swift. That's all you. Taylor Swift. Which is, this development for you is kind of insane to me. Same. Because I remember not even, it couldn't even been more than two years ago. You just like hated that woman. (laughs) I say less than that. I I literally (laughs) think like before you saw these movies. (laughs) Wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. Hold on. Let me see when I saw the Ares concert tour. <laughs> see, I was giving you like some leeway. Brett said absolutely not. <laughs> no. <laughs> I was anti-Taylor Swift the morning of October 2023. <laughs> um, I don't know. I just found it very interesting that you came in so late. Is this what a religious conversion feels like? It might be. Yeah. I don't know. Because I'm like... I first listened to her in like when did she come out? Like two thousand six. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So I've been listening yeah. to it ever since then. And my my, I'm like, I have to come to the fact that she's probably one of the artists I've listened to the most in my entire life. Um, because I used to like, I used to be a Swifty. I don't think I ever had the cult mentality that developed over time for people, but she was definitely one of my top favorites. Her middle name is Charlene. <laughs> <laughs> It's not. I don't know what it is. <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't know. I think I'm not as big a fan of her now. I I still like her. I still like some of the stuff she puts out there. I don't know. I like that she's a Kansas City celebrity. We don't have celebrities. Here. She was there the one time I was in Kansas. She was also there. She was. That's is true. That a coincidence? Yeah, but it was cool. <laughs> She'll no. be coming here to Indianapolis here soon. Did you get tickets? Can I go? I want to go. Take <laughs> I don't, me. I still don't know if I want to. I don't know if a stadium is like how I want to experience a concert. I'm picky. Mm. No, I. Yeah, I've listened to a lot of Taylor Swift music. I like. I think she's only had like one album that I haven't listened to. I mean, you're married, so. What? What? I'm confused. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't doesn't Haley have some of her albums? Yes. Aren't yes. they hanging on the wall? Haley and I disagree on Midnight's. I think Midnight's is one of her weaker efforts, uh, but Haley really likes it. I uh, agree with you, Brett. 
but I have not seen oh. any of her documentaries. Um, if I was to watch, I, I'll, and I may watch all of them, but if there was one I was going to gravitate to, it would probably be Miss Americana because I am much more a fan of the behind the scenes stuff. Wait, did and you the, not go see the eras? No. Girl. Well, I dox you. You know this about me. Concert movies, I just, it, it can't replicate it. it Shut it can't. the fuck up. It Mr. Can't. American Utopia. Mr. There well, are exceptions. Film festival, because then I can't put it on there. There are exceptions. That is a great movie, Liza with a Z. You had me watch that one. <laughs> why are you? Why are you bringing her into this? Because that's one that I like. That's, I, I like that one. Like, that feels a little pandering. It does. If we're being honest. <laughs> don't bring her this into is, this if you don't mean it. I want to say. 99.99% of the time, if I bring up that I like that movie, Christian is a happy camper. So <laughs> just caught the 0.01% that that's did you like. see Ren what about Renaissance? No, I didn't see it either. Mm. I, I they're not my thing. I would like you to sing a little bit of Liza with a Z. Go ahead. <laughs> it's been three years. Nope. It's Liza with a Z, not Lisa with an S, because Lisa with an S goes not Z. See, I expect that from someone who's seen it 20 times. I digress. Uh, who's up? Zay, you're number three. Oh, just just done with Taylor. <laughs> done with Taylor. We are. Uh, my number three is a movie with lesbians. Love That's on a Leash? <laughs> I wish Love on a Leash had some lesbians in it. <laughs> no, it is 1996's Late Bloomers. Um, I don't know how I came across this movie. I think it was just a random movie that came across and like, I don't know. What did, where did I watch this? I think I watched it on Amazon. Yes. So I think it might have been just that, that I watched a gay movie on Amazon. And then I was you like, how about this? my Amazon account? I sure do. Filth. <laughs> um, use my shutter still. That's true. Thank you. <laughs> anyway. And I was like, I've never heard of this, but it looks fun. And the goddamn, it was fun. Because it's one of those movies. So basically, the basic premise is the high school basketball coach, a lesbian, of course, uh, Dinah falls for the school secretary, Carly, and upsets the entire school in the process. There is drama. And it's not like... It's like their love, the love scenes between them are very earnest. And then the rest of the film is just wacky. And it's like a dichotomy that works so well for me that I loved it. And there was like, every time there's a scene, there's just things to look at. Like details they threw in because they would be like, well, that's fun. Because every time they're in the teacher's lounge, all the teachers are doing shit. And then there's this one teacher who has periwinkle boots who is just asleep on the couch. Why are you talking about me like that? <laughs> Um, I even like wrote down like different things that this movie has panicked Oreo eating. This woman has a panic attack and is just eating Oreos like it's like what is this called again? Late bloomers. <laughs> um, naked sensual basketball between the two. There are turtles on a sofa in another scene. There's a, they don't talk about the, the, the turtles are just sitting on the sofa. Um, there is a man who is like very interested in the basketball teacher, but of course he's not getting the signs that she's gay. He drinks three milks with his lunch, and I thought that was insane. Um, there are 
uh, like trouble students in her class who are just rolling joints in her class. Um, and there's so many great sweaters too. Like everyone's wearing a great ass sweater. I wore a sweater today. Well, maybe you were also in this movie. But yeah, it's called Late Bloomers. I just love it. Like, it's just like a very 90s queer comedy of just like, we're not going to make this too sorrowful. Like, it could easily have like leaned into the homophobia of it all. And there's like definitely like elements of that. But overall, I think the movie is more like a warm, gay little hug than like having to deal with like i would make it very akin to like but i'm a cheerleader but it's not like as colorful and you know not quite as stylized as that movie is i have to ask has brett seen but i'm a cheerleader the no. silence says it all oh, brett wow toby he ain't never seen that but i'm a cheerleader I have to maintain the bit. The bit is that I haven't seen any of the movies. <laughs> so you just stop watching movies. Yeah. Um, it's streaming on Prime still. It's also on Tubi. And the Roku channel. And the Roku channel. But I don't recommend the Roku channel. A lot of Tubi today. Tubi is where it's at. I fucking I love discovered Tubi. Tubi last year. It's pretty nice. Yeah, it is nice. I'm okay. I, you know where, what I watch on there the most? We watch um, the horror movies. Mm -hmm. watch I, I was, I, I'm a person that hates none. commercials. But Tubi does not make it aggressive. And that's what I like about them. Yeah, I agree. Ooh, I have a good honorable mention. Are we doing honorable mentions? I think I, I was planning on it, yeah. Cool. Okay, go ahead. Okay, we are to my number two. Uh, it is from 1977, a film by Vim Vendors. It is The American Friend. Uh, this is actually a Tom Ripley movie. Uh, it's based on the book Ripley's Game. Uh, I've seen two other Tom Ripley movies, Purple Noon and The Talented Mr. Ripley. Those are very dissimilar to this one. Um, in this one, he's actually played by um, played by Dennis Hopper. Uh, he's kind of like a cowboy, Mr. Ripley. It's very interesting, but uh, it's a movie where he's not really the primary character. Um, the primary character is a guy named Jonathan Zimmerman. He's played by Bruno Gons. Um, he lives in Germany. He is a um, a picture framer, and he has leukemia. Um, him and Tom Ripley meet. Ripley is an art forger in this movie, so uh, obviously someone dealing it you know, who works in art is not a fan of him. So Zimmerman kind of slights Ripley and Ripley decides he's going to kind of get back at him by doing what Tom Ripley does, kind of becoming a little bit obsessive. And he sets it up so that uh, Gons comes to believe that he is going to die from the leukemia, that he, that he can't be saved. Um, Ripley is involved with like the mafia and they need a hitman, so he directs them to this person who thinks that he's going to die as a way for him to make a lot of money to leave his family. And thinking that he needs that, Zimmerman takes the job and basically becomes a hitman for the mafia, uh, someone who you would absolutely not expect to do that type of thing. Um, what results is a really noirish, really stylish movie. 
Um, I've seen a couple Vim Vendors films this year. I've discovered I I should have looked at who you know the cinematographer was on this. For this, it was Robbie Mueller. Uh, really great cinematography in these movies. Um, but this one is a really fascinating crime film that kind of gets into the paranoia that the lead character feels because he does get involved in this world of crime. And basically the choices that people make when they find themselves in what they believe to be very dire circumstances. Um, I only wish that I would have watched this when we did our 1977 episode because both Dennis Hopper and Bruno Gons, um, I think were deserving of best actor nominations. I think they're co-leads and I think they're both terrific in the movie. Um, but it's another one that's, it's not necessarily a happy movie by any means, but it's super interesting. I love the neo-noir style and it was definitely a very pleasant surprise this year. So the American friend, and it is on the criterion channel. If you want to check it out. I have not seen this. I have not seen this either. But I will say, you did not mention that podcast favorite Nicholas Ray also acts in this film. Yes. Yes. In a rare acting role. Yes. But you did bring up Ripley, meaning you brought up Saltburn, meaning Brett's favorite film of last year. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. You you literally gave it four and a half stars. And then you said, I would have given it five, but it was a little too gay for me. My opinion of Saltburn is that <laughs> people should not watch it and they should watch The American Friends, Purple Noon, and The Talented R- Mr. Ripley instead. You Great see, literally, I'm literally reading your review. It said the bathtub scene didn't go hard enough. And <laughs> honestly, I've seen bigger. <laughs> oh, I wish my film was next because that would have been an excellent Oh, <laughs> you know what? Go ahead. Well, my number two <laughs> is our very first pornographic film discussed oh on the pod. Oh, Karen, close your ears. <laughs> <laughs> but we have discussed this director's film before because this is Arthur J. Bresson Jr., who did Buddies, mm. um, who was one of our favorites from 1985. Oh, yes. Um, he, a lot, um, but the majority of his work was in adult filmmaking. And um, this movie is called Forbidden Letters. I don't know if I said that. Um, but basically, like, it really encapsulates a certain period of time when gay films were not being made but gay porn was so if a filmmaker wanted to make a gay movie like explicitly gay he'd have to go into the porn industry and make like the artsiest porn film he'd ever and like it works on both levels honestly it's a very satisfying erotic film but it's also a lot about like longing because it's basically this guy's lover who's in prison and he like sends very explicit letters to the guy in prison and I think it's like very like we've talked about a song of love on the podcast as well, the 1950 short French film, and it reminded me a lot of that. And except it was like that film had a lot, had some nudity. This has explicit like erections and gay sex in it. And I don't know. It was like 
part of like uh, once they started adding adult films to Letterbox that people were like talking about like no this one is like real art and I'm just like I bought the Blu-ray of this and I'm like oh this is like pristine like I don't know it was very good and I'm just like I wish porn could still be like this you know make it with multiple purposes and make it beautiful so, it yeah. says streaming on Disney Plus. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, you probably could find this on like Pornhub or something. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna look. <laughs> Forbidden Letters, 1979. So Four. I think this is the first time I've looked up a pornographic film on Letterboxd. Sure. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, they got the the poster is pixelated, and then there's just adult in big red letters. Yep. So very that's how it is on the app. If you want Found to see the it. poster, you got to go on a desktop or something. Found it. Is it on Pornhub? Nope. It's on boyfriend.tv. Oh, that's a good website too. But it's on via via Reddit. So I had mm. to go via Reddit to find it. But yeah, I bought the Blu-ray. It had the Blu-ray had to like some of his other films on it. So if you like the one, the other ones that came with it were also pretty good. So does it have a story? kind of yeah like like i said the the lover like goes to prison and it's like them sending letters back and forth and then it's like flashback to them making love or like talking about the excursions they're up to very american <laughs> christian let's hear your number two well <laughs> it doesn't get more american than as they said apple pie taylor swift and Mark Wahlberg. <laughs> In 2013, yeah, the Boston bombing happened. And it was the 10th anniversary last year. And Christian here did a deep dive on it. So much so that I went, oh, there's a movie. Oh, it says Mark Wahlberg. Well, let's watch it. And it ended up being, honest to God, one of the best docudramas. Docudramas. What what do I want to say here? It yeah. was one of the greatest, like I don't Donkey know. Donkey Kong Country. Uh, sure, <laughs> it was one of the better biopics of an event that I've ever seen before. Um, <clears throat> Mark Wahlberg, he doesn't feel like he's too much into this because it is like I don't know. It's a group effort. Like John Goodman's in this, J.K. Simmons is in it, Kevin Bacon is in this, and it's just I mean it's the story of the Boston bombing and how they caught the two guys. Um, and just like the panic of the city in that week that unfolded. So I think it's just the intensity of everything that was going on with this film that I really liked it. I read a lot about this and that it was uh, like a near accurate depiction of it. And I think Mark Wahlberg had a pretty good hand on that because he wanted to get it as accurate as possible to honor the lives lost um, and to honor the hardworking uh, people that, I mean, help the city that was in a panic. So it's on Hulu. It, this is a weird ass movie for me to really like. And it's such a divided film on Twitter. And I get that. I do. But I don't know. There, I guess there was something going on with me at the time that I was like, oh, this is great. Will I ever see it again? No, probably not. But for the time being, it just stuck with me. And it was like, okay, gung ho America. Look at us. Look what we can do. Which again is not me, but for a bit of it, 
Mark Wahlberg got to me, and that's disgusting. <laughs> but I don't know. So that's what happens when I deep dive on Wikipedia. I find things, and I'm just like, I need to watch this. So there you go. That needs to be on the poster. Mark Wahlberg got to me, and that's disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think I've never been interested in seeing that movie. That was the closest I've ever got, is your description of it. So The weird thing is, this is a Brett movie through and through. Yeah. Peter, Peter Berg directed it, right? He's, mm, he's got yeah. an interest, interesting filmography. The thing Isn't is that this movie... the Mark Wahlberg guy now? Yeah, That's yeah, pretty much. So he also made Deepwater Horizon, which having a family member who worked on an oil rig... Also a great movie. Okay, yeah, that's actually a really good movie. Not gonna lie, but uh, the 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 issue with this movie, like when it came out, was that I because I remember it coming out, but I think like the year after, Stronger came out with Jake Gyllenhaal. Yeah, that's a really good movie. Very okay. underrated movie. Uh, so I think that one kind of took the cake in some ways of like, but it, it was obviously a very different way of telling the story. So I haven't seen Patriots Day. So you should. Sounds like I should. Who did that firefighter movie with Thor? Or is it Thor's brother? What? <laughs> Somebody did one with Josh Brolin. Uh, I never saw it. Josh Brolin and Miles Teller, I think. Is it only the Red? brave? Yes, only the brave. Red, didn't you see the 917 to Paris or whatever the hell it's called? Uh, worst movie of whatever year it came out. <laughs> Awful movie. Where are we at? Number two? Go. I was waiting for Zay to see who this director was. I was interested. Oh, the director? I don't I don't think it matters. I was just thinking oh. about that movie. I don't remember. I could have sworn there was a firefighter movie with a Henderson in it. Henderson? Harry? Hemsworth. Harry and the Hendersons. Are we really looking this up? Hemsworth. Because it's going to kill me. Fire movie. Extraction. I don't... Is this are, you thinking of, are you thinking of the horse soldiers one? Yeah, that's it. That's not yes. firefighters. No, um, that's like war in Iraq type movie. Oh, that movie. 12 Strong. Or Afghanistan. 12 maybe. Strong, that's 12 it. 12 Strong, yeah. I don't know why I thought that was firefighters. I would see that having a sinus infection. <laughs> Did I, also yeah. not a great movie. Two hours and ten minutes? Absolutely not. <laughs> All right. Well, we are to our number ones. Oh, wow. Already. It feels like that went really quick. What was your number two? Mine? Yeah. Uh, the American Friends. The, That's right. The Ripley one. What are all these American movies all yeah, the time? Yeah, y'all are. <laughs> That's more of a German movie, to be fair. But. All right. Well, uh, my number one. Uh, I actually watched back in January 7th. Is it the most recent film on the list? <laughs> January 7th, 2023. Just making that clear. Um, this is actually a movie that immediately when I watched it, I thought I, I almost knew it was going to be on this list. And I already felt like it could be number one. And as the year went on and on, nothing topped it for me. It is from the same director as my number two movie, Vim Vendors. From 1984, it is Paris, Texas. Uh, actually saw something on Twitter early th earlier this year. Funnily enough, right around the time I watched this, that said, wow, the best movie about Texas was made by a German director. Very true. Um, 
But this is the story of, funny enough, Travis Henderson, uh, who is played by Harry Dean Stanton in the movie. And he's found wandering and bewildered in Texas by his brother in the beginning. And we don't really know anything about him, um, just that he seems kind of out of it. Um, but his brother finds him and he brings him to his home in Los Angeles, uh, where he, where Travis is reunited with his young son, Hunter. Um, and so we come to find out that at some point, Travis kind of just disappeared and left his son and come to find out that he had a wife as well um, that he left behind and nobody really knew what happened to him. He is not a very talkative person by any means, but at some point he kind of starts coming around, kind of starts becoming a little bit of not so much the person he was, but more coherent again. And he decides that him and Hunter are going to go to Houston and try to find his estranged wife. Um, this is a very beautiful and endearing, but heartbreaking movie. Um, it is like exquisitely shot that vendors uh, uses like neon lighting um, for some of the shots in the movie. And it is just really stunning to look at, which is funny because kind of like the American friend, it is a really grounded movie, but it, it just looks so beautiful. It was also um, Robbie Mueller who did the cinematography on this one. And um, Harry Dean Stanton is just fucking phenomenal. A amazing. Like a performance that I consider in like my pantheon of favorite performances already. And I found it recently that I've become just much more drawn to performances that are not so much capital A acting, but more so like not doing a whole lot or doing a whole lot with a little, I guess I should say. And that is the epitome of Harry Dean Stanton in this role. Um, his wife is played by Nastasia Kinski. She is wonderful as well. There is a scene where they reconnect and Stanton's character is basically telling their story through a glass and she doesn't know it's him at first, but as he tells it, she gradually comes to realize that it's him and it is a devastating scene. Um, but there are things that are revealed in this movie at times. It seems like, you know, he is finding her to reconnect with her without spoiling anything. I will just say that that is not exactly what's happening here. Um, but I, I think the film takes not necessarily some unexpected turns, but maybe some surprising ones. And it just really, really stuck with me. Um, very emotional movie where the emotions aren't necessarily worn on their sleeves. And it's, I loved it so much that I just feel like it's going to be an all-time favorite when I rewatch it at some point. And I got the Criterion at the Criterion sale. Um, and it, it is streaming on the Criterion channel, but also HBO Max. And I just absolutely fell in love with it. So Paris, Texas, my number one. I have not seen this since 2015, which is crazy because I wrote on here, can't wait to rewatch this in the future. <laughs> uh, it's also number 51 on the Letterbox 250. So that's um, that's super impressive. I, I have recorded too. Like I, it was on TCM not too long ago. I've never seen it. You? I know. Um, I don't know. Sometimes you just... You got a couple saved in your back pocket and like, you know, you're going to love it. You know, it's going to be so good. And you're just like, we can wait. This will, this will come the right time. Open like a theater and your shows at some time. Cause I feel like that's a movie that people would show at a theater. 
Yes. Nothing so far. Yeah. It's a movie that I think, if, even if not everybody, lo- I, I just think it's a movie that most people would like in some way or another. Um, even though it is, it's a long movie and it's kind of slow paced, but it's, it's just very human, extremely human movie. So I know it's one of my friend's favorite movies of all time. So that's always been like, need to give this the proper respect when we get to it. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Who's going next with our number one? I don't have a good segue. Christian, you got it. Back to America. mine is actually a comedy and yes it is an american film it is called dave um directed by ivan reitman and it's from 1993 so it was celebrated its 30th anniversary last year yeah um what what are you smiling when you said it i thought it was meet dave the eddie murphy movie i was like what (laughs) And I was just like, that can't be right. <laughs> I'm like, Christian, come on. <laughs> it's Dave. Mm. All right, all right. Sorry, sorry. God. Um, but it's with Kevin Klein and Sigourney Weaver. So a sweet nature temp agency operator and amateur presidential lookalike. So it's him playing two roles here. Is recruited by the Secret Service to become a temporary stand-in for the president of the USA. So basically the president is caught having an affair with an intern. And again, this is 1993 during Bill Clinton's administration and he suffers a heart attack. And instead of like saying, oh, you know, this happened, we're going to cover this up by getting a presidential lookalike, played by Kevin Klein again, to fill in for President, uh, whatever his name is, President Bill Mitchell, uh, and be the president. And nobody's going to know any difference. And then when the president's better, we'll switch him back and boom, everything goes. Um, meanwhile, Dave kind of has to learn the ins and out of Washington politics, and he's a good-natured, everyman, kind of thrown into all this. Sigourney playing the first lady, who absolutely hates and despises the president, but then comes to learn, like, uh, what's up with the president? Because she doesn't know that this is an impersonator. She's like, what the hell is he change of heart all of a sudden? So it is a pure comedy. I really enjoyed it. We watched it after we went to go see Oppenheimer. So kind of a good segue to get all the dramatics off of that out of the way. And just have something that will make you laugh. Um, Kevin Klein and Sigourney are just great together. Uh, Frank Langella is also in this, him nowadays. Ben Kingsley is in this in a very funny role. And Ving Rhames, who is, uh, what is he? Secret Service. I mean, Ving Ramsey role there. So Dave, 1993, awesome, hilarious, funny movie, like a feel-good movie. It's not streaming anywhere, but it's one where it's like, if I had watched this sooner, I would have loved it even more. It is one that can be categorized under movies caught, uh, movies I caught my mom always watching. Because I always remember her mentioning Dave when she used to scroll HBO more, so... There you go. Yeah, I never had seen this. I don't think I was really aware of it until you like were talking about it. Me either. Um, but it, the premise, such a 90s studio comedy premise. Yeah, it sounds like a lot of fun. Your second 90, 1993 movie, correct? On this list? 
Is it? I believe six degrees of separation. Oh, yeah, it is. What do you know? Yeah. What a year. Um, Also, Bill Clinton did see this in 93 and was like, that's a funny movie. That's pretty good. (laughs) And it's like the ins and out of politics. And then what? Two years later? No. Yeah. Two years later, the whole Lewinsky scandal, well, would start. And it's incredible how this just follows it perfectly without even knowing. So two years later was the year of my birth so my birth only caused a wave of chaos <laughs> and selena's death she died five days after i was born it's because of you yolanda all right zay let's hear your number one my number one is a film called the spirit of the beehive from 1973 a spanish film and it's very interesting because it's such a like moment in history kind of film and you know as those americans we have to go out of our way to figure these things out because no one is telling us over here what's happening in the rest of the world because we're only interested in what we're doing um but it's basically about this like aftermath of the spanish civil war going into france's kind of like takeover of spain and like all that sort of thing um, that's just the basis around the, the film's not entirely about that, but it's not not about that. Um, but it's mostly about like this village where this family lives, and it's like a mom, dad, uh, older sister, younger sister, and the younger sister is the protagonist of this film. And one day they're showing, they get a new movie to show uh, at the their little film house sort of production, and it's Frankenstein, 1931's Frankenstein, the original. Um, and it scares the shit out of this girl. Like, she can't process the things she's seen in this movie. Like, she's never, like, come to terms with thinking about death in the way that this movie presented it. And then it, like, just fills her with so much dread that that's the only thing she can think about. Um, and, like, she tries to, like, talk to her sister about it. And she's like, oh, Frankenstein didn't die at the end of the movie, actually. His spirit is inhabiting the old barn down, like, in this big field. There's just the barn sitting there. She's like, that's where his spirit is now. Which makes things so much worse for this girl. And there's just, like, different moments where she's, like, thinking about death. And she's just like, what happens if this happens? And blah, blah. And it's just, like, such a interesting look at how youth, innocence is, like, broken just like the smallest little thing will like just change their entire like thought process and i just sat there thinking about that and i was like well mine was this like religious trauma (laughs) of just being like well when you die you're either going to a good place or a bad place and you need to earn your way up to (laughs) to heaven or you're just going to be burning for eternity and my seven-year-old ass was just like oh boy oh (laughs) just worried about death constantly and i was like i don't know i just saw myself in this child like different contexts different like things i'm like not all that different because you know she's just like wondering about like if her siblings died if her parents died um and there just comes to like a soldier shows up in that barn and she meets and the, the and it's not she she's later told that that it's soldier is like the enemy but it's like she takes care of the soldier 
and it's like in her mind she's like is this frankenstein's spirit in human form and so she's trying to be kind to it and just be like all right if i'm kind to you bad things won't happen to me i don't know it's just like a very like nuanced and very i'm trying to think of the word i don't know it was just like a very like overwhelming experience to like just take in this movie and i just really loved it I had heard of this movie, but I had no idea what it is about. And yeah, that sounds amazing. Very interesting. All right. So we will go through some honorable mentions. Um, the other thing I want to do when we go through this is to just quickly count down five through one, what our movies were again, just in case if anybody missed a title or something like that, if that's all right with you, Christian. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um. And then just any honorable mentions you had. So I will, I'll start us off. Um, so my top five was number five was the vanishing number four, take shelter number three, two days, one night, number two, the American friends and number one, Paris, Texas, some honorable mentions I had. So the one that we discussed on the podcast that definitely would have made my list is hoop dreams. Um, documentary that I feel like I waited way too long to watch. And it's amazing. Uh, the red circle which is a French film from the director of my number one movie last year, Les Samurai. That Tom Hanks movie? <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, this is a great movie uh, from Juan Pierre or Jean Pierre Melville. Um, Ghost Dog, The Way of the Samurai. Once again, I loved Les Samurai last year, so I wanted to watch movies that were what, kind of What is that movie about? Ghost Dog? Yeah. He's basically Forrest Whitaker as a hitman that has like a samurai text that he follows. Um, See, I'm not going to lie to you. I thought it was about a man who was revived back from like being a dead dog or something. No, that's that's love on a leash. <laughs> Christian, when are you going to watch love on a leash? Toby, when are we going to watch love on a leash? <laughs> He said whenever. <laughs> <laughs> no, but Ghost Dog is a Jim Jarmusch movie. It's very good. Definitely check it out. Uh, I also had Gimme Shelter, which is the Rolling Stones documentary about their concert at Altamont. Um, and last but not least, Serpico, which I saw for the first time in a movie theater this year and found it really fascinating. I sure didn't get an invite. It was a Sunday night in Lawrence. I figured, you know, school night. Oh, wait, you saw that in the theater, but you didn't see Crouching Tiger? <laughs> you didn't go see Beyonce? <laughs> Do you support cinema? I support the local indie movie theater. Y'all can go to your AMCs, do your thing. Uh, he says he has too. a regal pass, and he has the regal cup and the regal popcorn bucket this year. I do. Mm-mm-mm. Christian, what do you got? Okay. My number five, again, was Six Degrees of Separation. Number four, Arlington Road. Don't trust your neighbors. Number three, Taylor Swift's Miss Americana. Number two, Patriot's Day. And number one was Dave. Honorable mentions. I got a lot. This is not on my honorable mentions, but it reminded me of something. We watched a movie called Curse of the Nun on Tubi or Roku or whatever. All right. The best part of it, it is one of those the asylum ripoff movies. The best part of this movie is a woman is trying to shoot at the nun. Mind you, the nun is a spirit, okay? 
Well, guess what the nun does? She grabs the Glock and points it at the girl and shoots. Okay, greatest film of my life. Anyway, here we go. <laughs> God damn it. This next one is American. It's 9-11, One Day in America. So it's a docu-series uh, from National Geographic, and it goes, it's like six episodes about 9-11 um, using footage and the people who were there. And it does an amazing job, like an amazing job at it as well. They just made one last year about JFK's assassination. So National Geographic, their One Day in America series, very good. A movie called See No Evil, Hear No Evil with Richard Pryor and Gene Wilder could not be made today. The funniest fucking film I've seen lately. Well, no, we don't have time. It's already 10 o'clock here. <laughs> what? You said it couldn't be made today, and I agree. We don't have time. Be quiet. <laughs> so uh, Richard Pryor plays a deaf man, and Gene Wilder plays a blind man, and together they have to work together to solve a murder. Probably not the most sensitive thing, but hilarious. A movie <laughs> called Slums of Beverly Hills uh, with Natasha Lyonne. Very good. She's great in it. Uh, Marissa Tomei and Alan Arkin are also both incredible in it. Directed by Tam uh, Tamara Jenkins, who did Private Lives, uh, Private Life, and Savages. Both great films. Um, a movie I think did Zay recommend this? No, I recommend it to them. Larceny Inc. with Edward G. Robinson. Um, he plays a con man and he buys a shop to get to the bank next door, and the shop becomes successful while he's trying to dig into the bank. And it's a comedy. Uh, the Jinx and Dayla Holiday special, only because we got to see them live. I finally watched In Full Eyes Wide Shut, and I was like, I get this. Creepy, but I get this. Uptown Girls, Dakota Fanning, and the late Brittany Murphy, who's incredible in it. It's a great movie. It's on HBO. Definitely watch it. Mrs. O'Malley and Mr. Malone with Marjorie Maine, who is like, she's one of my favorite character actors. She is my favorite character actress. And James Whitmore. Um, who is the older man in the Shawshank Redemption. Um, but it's a screwball comedy and a detective story. Connie and Carla, a film which Zay once called the greatest film I've ever seen. No comment there. It's a gender reversal, Some Like It Hot, with drag queens. A movie that Zay made me watch, and they never ended up watching it. The Christmas Tapes. <laughs> I did not. <laughs> it is very good. If you need a Christmas horror movie, it's, it's there for you. Um, sorry, I got a lot of these. I tell you what, almost done. A documentary called The Automat. Uh, I love history. I love American history in terms of like pop culture and day-to-day -day lives. So this is a story about a restaurant chain that served like five cent coffee and pie and different celebrities. They have Mel Brooks, especially in this, Carl Reiner, R.I.P. Okay, um, that one. Getting, yeah, getting interviewed and just their experience going, get a cup of coffee hang out, whatever. It's great if you want just a little slice of Americana there. And it's on Canopy or HBO. A movie called Hidden by the Duffer Brothers, who made Stranger Things, uh, with Alexander Skarsgård and Francis Fisher's favorite actress, Andrea Riseborough. <laughs> Where did I find this movie? TikTok. And guess what? It ended up wow. being pretty good. Um, oh, I'm going to say that one for last. The Bitch Who Stole Christmas. <laughs> A movie I told Brett to watch, but he did not. <laughs> um, but it is a RuPaul situation with drag queens, and it was very good. Situation. Big Top Pee Wee 
R.I.P. I liked it. It's not as great as The Big Adventure, but it's pretty good. It's Pee Wee. I mean, yeah. I'm shocked that, this, that that's the first time you've seen that movie. I know, right? I'm too much of a Big Adventure purist. Um, Baps uh, with mm. Halle Berry and uh, Natalie Dessel Reed, who actually passed away. She plays one of the stepsisters in the Brandy Whitney Houston Cinderella. So great movie there. Um, where is that at? It's not streaming anywhere. And Martin Landau is in it. Just a really fun movie. Um, oops. Jerusalem. I don't know how you pronounce this. Zay knows. Y'all know. I love found footage. So this takes place in uh, Jerusalem during the apocalypse. So found footage. 2023, great. huh? <laughs> I didn't say it. It's a it's found footage. It's great. It's like it's kind of creepy. Um, the fabulous Alan Carr, which I told Zay to watch, and they watched it. There it is. Um, <laughs> about a gay Hollywood producer and his kind of antics. He directed or he produced the infamous 1989 Oscars, which was considered like the worst Oscars. Uh, yeah, the worst one. Um, a movie called Scream, Pretty Peggy, with what's her name, Betty Davis. <laughs> It's like a made-for-TV movie, but it was there. And you know what? It's I, I like saying the title, and Betty Davis is giving it all. My best friend's wedding, because I went to my best friend's wedding this year. <laughs> and it was pretty good, I will say. I like Julia Roberts in it. Uh, this is at her peak. And then, <clears throat> uh, oh, When Pigs Fly, which I watched at the end of December because of Zay. Um, and it's like a very obscure movie. We tried to get Brett to watch it, but there was football on or something. So he had more important things to do. I was visiting family. Sure thing. That took priority. I watch movies when I'm visiting my family. So uh, <laughs> I talk to my family. 1993, another 1993 movie, um, a ghost story that's actually kind of precious and sad uh, with Alfred Molina in it. And then finally, a director that Toby and I discovered this year, Again, Tubi, Roku, what have you. His name is Isaac Rodriguez. Excuse me. He directed a short film called The Cop Cam, uh, which you can find on YouTube. All of his movies you can find streaming somewhere. But we watched Unknown Visitor, which is all told through a ring doorbell, and it is absolutely creepy. Last Radio Call, which we then watched the story of the location was filmed on Destination Unknown, and a movie called Deadware, which is Ouija board played over zoom. So he makes, I mean, the movies are cheap as fuck. They cost about a buck 85 to make. The longest one is 70 minutes. They're, they're freaky. I think he's a really good director in making them so creepy. So Isaac Rodriguez, definitely look him up. Cool director. I'll say that we have a couple more of his films to watch, but sorry. I, I had a lot. This is a good last year. It was pretty good. So there you go. I thought you were going to include the one I, I told you to watch like way back in January. Which was what? Murder. Murder. That one. Oh, I remember that one. On the dance floor? No. no. See? Saltburn, your favorite movie. <laughs> Hold anyway. on. While you're doing that, I'll find the movie. I know what you're talking about. It's on my list. Hold on. Um, I'll go ahead. My number five. Uh, the Buster Keaton independent films. Well, also Cameraman, which was like his only good MGM movie. Um, is her drinking water really loud? No. Is that what I, that was? Yeah. Okay. I, I thought it was Barry Kogan <laughs> looking up the <laughs> bath water. 
Um, number four, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Three, Late Bloomers. Two, Forbidden Letters. One, Spirit of the Beehive. And my honorable mentions, Ana Lucasta, a noir film with Eartha Kitt. She's incredible in it. Um, Nitrate Kisses, a great lesbian, like, experimental documentary kind of sort of thing uh, by Barbara Hammer. Steven Spielberg's AI. Loved it. Let's it talk about it in depth. <laughs> um, I found uh, this filmmaker who I watched, like, his entire, like, filmography that's all in remains on YouTube called Tom Rubnitz. He did stuff like Strawberry Shortcut and Pickle Surprise, which is just him and his, like, drag queens and, like, the 90s New York underground scene just making weird-ass movies. They're all pretty short. They're on YouTube. It's a good It's a good evening. Um, Kiyoshi's Kurosawa's... Kiyoshi Kurosawa's Cure, which I think is the much better version of Seven. Um, just like hopeless murder mystery. Um, let's see what else we got. Stella Dallas with Barbara Stanwyck. Um, great melo- fan, like epic melodrama. Um, the Wicked Lady with uh, Margaret Lockwood. She plays a great, like deliciously evil character. Um, the titular Wicked Lady. Um, and then I watched these films from the Gay Girls Writing Club, which was a bunch of drag queens who made film parodies. And my favorites from them were What Really Happened to Baby Jane and a parody of All About Eve called All About Alice. Both very good. We've seen the Baby Jane one. I bought the, the Blu-ray that has like all their films on it. So good. It was so worth the... I think I bought it like on whatever arrow? No, vinegar syndrome, one of their sales. Um I watched Homo Tea, which is a Turkish gay ET ripoff. Oh, that one. <laughs> and he falls in love with a straight man, even though there's a fanboy who wants Homo Tea. <laughs> it's insane. His he's got a dump truck ass. It's on YouTube with subtitles. Somebody took the time to subtitle it. Um, Cats on Park Avenue, which is these girls are making a musical about stray cats. Not that one. Um, And the cats happen to be able to ride skateboards. Um, It's Japanese. It's somewhere out there. I don't know where I found it. It was so much fun, though. Um, The Eddie Murphy movie Boomerang. I had a lot of fun with that. Um, great soundtrack. As Christian mentioned, When Pigs Fly, even though Brett did not watch it, he said he hates Alfred Molina, and I was like, wow, that's a strong take. I offered to watch it in 2024, and y'all were like, no. It has to be watched in 2023. <laughs> um, the Incredibly True Adventure of Two Girls. I think this is what I watched that led me to late bloomers. The, the um, Incredibly True Adventure of Two Girls and One Girl. Stop. <laughs> No, not it's a '90s coming of age like romantic dramedy kind of situation. It's, it's good. Um, like Christian said, I also saw Baps for the first time. Quite good. I saw Uptown Girls for the first time as well. 
Dakota Fanning is so good in that movie. Like, did you you see how bad the reviews were back when it came out? Right. Like, it's so, it's like, it's labeled a comedy, but there's acting in it. And Roger Ebert, of course, was like one of the few people that understood the movie. Thank you. Anyway, um, I also saw Little Otik by Jan Svakmeyer who he did a lot he's done a lot of famous like short films just like weird like little claymation sort of like things but that was like a full feature about this little like i don't even know what it is but they find it and it becomes their baby very good um and elaine stretch at liberty which i would have put in my top five but i had listened to the album before so i didn't think it counted for me to count as a first watch. A favorite song she sings, go. <laughs> <laughs> what? I don't know. I like a lot of them. Mm. I can name them. Because if she does I'm Still Here, she does The Ladies Who Lunch. That's an ally. <laughs> an ally <laughs> to the theater community. I also saw Waitress the Musical. That's an ally. <laughs> Great movie. Shut up, Brett. You did not pay a ticket to see that. No, because I have Regal Unlimited. <laughs> no, because that was a fathom <laughs> event. Damn it. Damn it. Not... <laughs> I thought well, that was actually going to work. I had a free screener to watch. I watched it at home. Well, I saw it. It was just me and this mother and daughter <laughs> who, who were in the seats in the row in front of me. They had a good time. Um, I think that's the end of my... Oh, I saw Blue Valentine with Ryan Gosling and Michelle Williams. That really had a number on me. And I accidentally, I thought it was a 2011 film, and it was not. Um, The movie that Zay was referring to was Murder, He Says. Murder, He Says. And it's essentially an arsenic and old lace type situation there. So a lot of like, I'm going to go visit this family. Oh my God, they might be murdering me. And Marjorie Maine is in it, so how do I forget that? Another movie that Toby, who just walked out of the room, would appreciate, and I forgot about it. Hope you can hear me. I Saw What You Did, (laughs) directed by William Castle. Zay, you've seen it. Mm -hmm. And Joan Crawford is in it. Let's say she's not in it long. It is fucking shocking. I was gagged. Okay. It was definitely like they had her for one day. And they were yeah. just like <laughs> Well, like they went balls to the wall on like the like the what is it? The moment that sets the movie up and I was like, holy shit. And yeah, so decent, decent movie there. But I would like to say, you may have Buster Keaton in from Kansas, but we have Marjorie Maine from Indiana. That's on Mike Pence, but that's not the here nor there. Oh, let's not. <laughs> And the Jacksons, we've got the Jacksons. We've got Janet and LaToya. Michael. <laughs> All right. Well, that was great. A lot of films to add to the watch lists if you're listening and haven't seen any of those or if you're me. So where your, you first, words are, where your first words are, can I rent it? <laughs> My list is on Letterboxd if you follow me on there. Mine is on there, too. And if you can't find me, uh, just go to How the Grinch Stole Christmas 2000. I'm the number <laughs> one review on there. Um, and if you can't find me, 
Um, let me see if this is still a thing. Hold on. Is it life? Uh, we're going to check. <laughs> if you can't find me, go to the 2017 film Life, starring Jake Gyllenhaal, Ryan Reynolds, and Rebecca Ferguson. And I am, in fact, yeah, like one of the number one reviews still, maybe? I can't imagine nope, people are I'm still there. reviewing that movie. Yeah. Top <laughs> reviews. There I am. I still get the notifications every day. <laughs> I am at 1945 on the reviews for that movie. Sweet. It is the worst decision I've ever made reviewing this fucking movie. Well, when you die, it's going on your gravestone. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, that was great as always. Thank you to all who are listening. As always, rate, rate, review, and subscribe wherever you do listen. Uh, thanks to Joshua Arnoldi for our theme music. We will be coming back together to, of course, do a top 10 of 2023. Um, Got to play some catch up on that, or at least I do. But that will be out shortly. Zay, any final thoughts from you? Um, yes. Go to your independent cinema. Don't support Regal. <laughs> <clears throat> Christian, any final thoughts from you? AMC has Nicole Kidman, Beyonce, and Taylor Swift. I will say, I went to Regal to see Paddington, too. But it was because it was the only one playing it at the time I wanted to go. Okay, well, you've been listening to Corporate (laughs) Shill, the podcast. um, Featuring your most cookie-cutter theaters on the planet. And we will talk to you next time.